It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Where are you, Jeff? You are somewhere else. I am. Uh, I'm actually super lucky. I am at the beautiful Saint Cecilia Academy in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, run by the Nashville Dominican Sisters. It is. This is a breathtaking campus and school, and they they set me up in their library, and I'm surrounded by just beautiful religious art and statues, and and I'm all by myself in this library. There's a fireplace in the library. Like this place is unbelievable. All right. Do you want to uh, introduce our guest this week? Uh, it's a guest who some people have heard on the show before. I would say, Scott, I'm going to go for reach a reach here and say that we're going to go ahead and uh, consider this guest a friend of the podcast officially. Um, we are excited once again to welcome Archbishop Charles Thompson of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Archbishop, thank you so much for joining us again. Glad to be with you. Thank you. I can't decide if you enjoy doing this or if your secretary just really enjoys putting us on your calendar so she can laugh. <laughs> it's probably a little bit of both. <laughs> you didn't deny it. It, it, right. buys her, it, buys her, it buys her some time away from me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she knows somebody else gets to deal with you for a little while. Yes, exactly. All right, Jeff, you want to take us to the two-minute drill? I will. Uh, it's the 13th, uh, the 30th, sorry, those words are confusing. Let me look at them together. Uh, the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. So here we are just slugging through Ordinary Time more and more. Um, and our first reading uh, talks today about, uh, we're talking to Jacob, and it tells Jacob, shout for joy and, uh, and exalt at the head of the nations. It, it, it's telling J Jacob, like, there's something coming. There's something incredible here. The Lord has delivered the people. Um to Israel. He's, he's gathered them in the end. Uh, he, and he gives us all of these instructions of, you know, mothers should gather their children. There's an immense throng. They, they will depart in tears, but what is given to them is this incredible gift. Uh, the father of Israel has given us. Um, but Ephraim is firstborn specifically is given that gift. Uh, our responsible Psalm this week is the Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. And this is a good one. I would say borderline banger, Scott. What do you think? Let's let's go ahead and make it one. Yeah. All right. It's okay. a banger. Bow, 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 bow. Um, <laughs> we'll imagine the, that was there. <laughs> you're what? We'll imagine that the soundboard is working today. Yes. Oh, that sounded just like it. Um, the Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Always a great reminder. A reminder that he has done great things and that if we aren't filled with joy, we better be after we read that. I think that's part of the point. Um and then we have the letter to Hebrews in our second reading. And in the letter to Hebrews, uh, we, we see we're being told about how every priest is taken from the men 
every high priest has been taken and made a representative before God that uh, they're instructed to offer sacrifices for sin, deal penitently. Um, and no one takes this honor upon themselves, but only when God calls them. All right. Just as Aaron did. Uh, and in the same way, Christ did not glorify himself by becoming a high priest, but he did it because God asked him to. He said, you are my son, and on this day I've begotten you. And so in the same exact way, uh, he reminds us, and this is obviously a key phrase when we have the archbishop here and the priests who, uh, friends of ours who listen to the podcast, he reminds us of that, that phrase that we see so often, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. A great reminder that um, we often see in Liturgy of the Hours and prayed, but a reminder in this letter to the Hebrews as well to those priests. And then we have our gospel reading. Gospel is Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out the more. Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, get up. Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Archbishop, do you want to correct anything on the minutes? Did Jeff get anything wrong that we need to uh, you know, make sure that we set straight? I just questioned, was that two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> because if that was two minutes, my homily is going to be about 30. <laughs> That's tough. That is tough. Yeah, that was that was not two minutes. We're we're five minutes into the podcast now. That's all right, <laughs> Jeff. We'll we'll give, we'll give you a pass. The, the, the Dominican sisters are uh, you know giving you a little bit of extra extra time on on the cushion there. Archbishop, where, it all. Oh, where are well, you, you. Uh, preaching at this week? And I'm assuming that you you travel around and you're not always at the cathedral. You know, this weekend I'm at uh, St. Andrew Parish. Uh, they're celebrating here in Indianapolis. They're celebrating their 75th anniversary. So I have an anniversary mass. So awesome. wonderful. I'll be there. Yeah. I was at uh, St. John the Evangelist last night, and they are getting ready to celebrate their 150th anniversary of the church building. Hmm. And that was confusing because they just had the 175th anniversary of uh, hmm. the parish. And yeah. I felt like I was going back in time celebrating again, but, you know, yeah. uh, uh, but, but yeah, that, that's pretty exciting. So what are, what's, what's on the docket? What are you preaching about this weekend? You know, well, uh, when I do an anniversary and a celebration, it's always kind of makes it a little bit different, but you know, the, the first reading, the Jeremiah, you know, the first reading and, and the gospel usually are, have a connection that you can easily make, um, mm -hmm. In the book of Jeremiah, uh, you know, this is the 30th Sunday, so we're getting toward the end of the liturgical year. We got, you know, with this, you know, only they have 34 uh, Sundays of the liturgical year. So we're not far from that before we start Advent. So you get a lot of year end stuff. Um, in that first, in the first reading, Jeremiah, Jeremiah was, you know, he lived during the time that Jude, uh, Jerusalem, the city was conquered, conquered by a couple of the Babylonians, the Persians. Uh, and so, and Jeremiah had been on the, on the cuff of that when, when they were about to be, uh, 
conquered and, and the city, not only conquering the city, but destroying the temple. So Jeremiah has lived through that and has, has been a prophet through all that when the people were not listening to him. Uh, so what, what God is speaking to, to Jeremiah at this point is that they're going to be restored, that God has not abandoned them. God has not left them. And most of the people by, by this point have been either uh, killed uh, they or they've been able to or they've been enslaved or they've been able to get off, run away and, and hide exile. So so Jeremiah through Jeremiah, God is, is assuring the people that all will be restored, that they're going to have their everything. They're going to have things restored for them. And so uh, Jeremiah, that's the promise being made here. And it kind of goes coincides with uh, the gospel because uh, Jesus is that Messiah. Jesus, is the Savior, Jesus, is the one who's going to restore and do, do even more than that. It's going to redeem us and, and win our salvation. And so uh, so Bar- Bartimaeus, there's a lot of neat things about this gospel. I like this gospel. For one, it's one of the few times that the person being healed has a name. Mm-hmm. Usually don't get a name. So Bartimaeus. Um and Bartimaeus is blind, and yet he he can see what no one else sees. He when he hears Jesus coming, he starts calling out, "Jesus, you know, son of David, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me." So he's referring, he's he's recognizing that this is the Savior, this is the one, the long-awaited Messiah. So um, the one that's going to restore all things and 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 save save the people uh, from all the oppression, all that all that they've they've struggled and, and encountered, and then, and then some. So Bart, Bartimaeus, in his blindness physical blindness is able to see what the what everyone else physically seeing and witnessing watching listening to jesus evidently is not picking up so that's kind of a neat thing the other neat thing is um and he refuses to be silent you know he won't let you know they're telling him be quiet be quiet and he refuses to do that he's his faith in jesus is his conviction in jesus is so strong he refuses to be uh in any way bothered stopped uh, by 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 the pressure, the peer pressure, so to speak, the social pressures that might be coming. Because what has he got to lose? He's a beggar. He has no, he has not, he has really nothing to lose. So, uh, but the neat thing is, whenever it says that Jesus calls him, and, and the disciples come over and said, the master calls you. It says he that he immediately threw his cloak aside and sprang up and came to Jesus. You know, throwing his cloak aside. I remember a scripture, our our professor in seminary talking about. You know, this blind man, he probably only had, he was a beggar, probably all he had was clothes on his back. So the fact that he jumps up, throws his cloak off, would he get it back? Would he find it? Would someone else take it? And so, again, it shows a great uh, confidence, a great faith in Jesus as as the Messiah, the Savior, that he's, he's putting his confidence, he's putting all of his eggs in one basket, so to speak. He's confident so, Jesus is the person they're waiting for. So as we're running through Mark's gospel here, that really becomes like what you just said there is really interesting because we see the story of the rich man who's asked, you know, give up all of your things and follow me. But what you're saying is like Bartimaeus kind of did that. Like when he stood up and threw his cloak off, he had given up all of his things. Well, he didn't I mean, have he, much to give. He was a beggar. He probably had nothing more than his clothes on his back and he throws it aside and jumps but, up and runs to Jesus. But in so many ways, he follows the instructions that Jesus gave to the rich man, right? Like he just, he gives up all of his things to follow him and just says, this is, I, I need you. This is all yeah. I need. I think that's really interesting. When you talked about his name being used, do you think that was intentional by the gospel writer, by by the writer of Mark? Or do you think he was just like forgetful of other names, but he happened to remember Bartimaeus? But, but to your know. point, Jeff, that's that's how the gospel ends. It says he immediately, he was immediately healed, which means, you know, the, 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 the miracle that it's immediate. It wasn't 
you know, so that's it's, it's Mark's way of saying it's, it's a miracle. It happened very quickly. That it wasn't something that took time, but the immediate healing. And then it is. It ends by saying, having received the sight, he follows He follows Jesus on, on the way. Yeah. So to the point where the rich man was not able to, because what did Jesus ask him to do? Sell all you have and come and follow me. He could not come and follow. But Bartimaeus immediately follows. Okay, so what I was saying is that I, I got really stuck on that that he had a name because a lot of times when, when a name isn't presented and we can kind of put ourselves into that, into that gospel. Um, but this is us objectively looking at somebody that had a name that had uh, a family that had, you know, something else. Does that give us an opportunity to look at this person and look at it from a different point of view or, uh, or am I being too, you know, picky? I wonder if in some ways it gives us a chance to look up to someone, Hmm. right? Like that by giving Bartimaeus a name, he's somebody for us to strive to be. Right. So the rich man didn't have a name, but Bartimaeus did. Well, I think two things. One is it makes it more personal that it's Bartimaeus. I mean, knowing that you're given a name, giving someone a name makes it more personal. Plus, it only says his name. It also says he's son of Timaeus. I mean, he's not only only given a name, we're given the family name. We're given the family he belongs to. The other thing too, I think it's also that that uh, that, that um, you know, think about the, the rich man and Lazarus. The other place we get a name is we know the poor man's name, Lazarus. We never given you know what's the rich man's name in our society. We always know the rich and the famous, but do mm-hmm. we know the people who who clean the building at night when we're not there? Do we know the people who are who are our security guards in the building in Hollywood or somewhere when everyone's at home in bed sleep? Do we know? Do we know the janitors? Do we know their names? I mean, so, you know, the Gospels, they turn it around. Instead of knowing the rich and famous, they know the ones, as Pope Francis says, are on the margins, on the periphery. So Bartimaeus is somebody on the margins, on the peripheries, that we don't always know their names. And so I think that's another thing happening here is, is the Gospel writers are, are showing that personal that, that personal aspect of, of, of the poor, the vulnerable, those on the margins, on the peripheries. So there's a chance that the people who witnessed the interaction of the rich man with Jesus all knew who the rich man was probably. Well, but, we're never given a name though. Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying like maybe everybody else knew who it was, but it was important that, that we didn't name that person versus maybe nobody knew who Bartimaeus was in this moment, but Mark well, gives him the gospel, a name. I think the gospel writers are definitely trying to make that point that yeah. these, are, these are important people, not just the rich. It's not just about the rich and the famous. It's about, all of us have dignity in, in Christ. Love it. Jeff, anything else you want to hit on, or do you want to move on to some dumb questions? Well, I am a little curious, Archbishop. How do you connect? I mean, maybe all of my questions are dumb, and so it's just been a running a clock here since my alleged two <laughs> minutes. But um, how – so when you're going into St. Anthony's for their 75th anniversary, how are you, you going to connect 75th, I think, right? Is that correct? St. Saint Andrew, uh, 75th St. Andrew. Andrew, sorry. How, how do you connect this story of Bartimaeus to a parish celebrating that, that sort of a milestone? Because I know for a fact that I know there are many, I'm, I'm sure there are many priests who would, who would preach a little bit about the readings and then just talk about the anniversary. But I've seen you preach so often and do such a beautiful job at, at events of tying the the message of the scripture into what it is you're talking about. And so I say that as a backhanded compliment, Um, (laughs) but, but I, I'm also really curious, like what, what's your trick? How do you pull that off? 
you, you forced me to reconsider write, rewriting my homilies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, again, 70, you know, one thing I always think about when I do anniversary masses, um, what's gone on in the 75 years or, or 100 years or 200 years? You know, you think of a parish, what is what is what is that parish witnessed over that period of time? You know, they've seen wars, they've seen peace, they've seen tragedies, they, yeah. they've endured, you know, whether it's whether it's uh, terrorism or, or, or war or, or, or tornado or, or, or whatever, what violence or, or racism, you know, St. Andrews, you know, it's in the area where, you know, one of the places that, that probably had dealt with, with those issues a lot sooner than most. Um, so, you know, you always think about what are the, what is that parish experience in that period of the people of God throughout the course of those 75 years of experience? Is it quite, is it completely unlike Jeremiah who's preaching about good days are ahead, better things are coming? You know, what, in those moments when they, in those moments when they were struggling, did they, did they, could they hear that voice of Jeremiah and God assuring them that they're, that, that, that they're not abandoned, you know, and, and in, you know, uh, and with the gospel, how, you know, how might they keep their eyes fixed on Jesus, even when the world may be telling them something different, even when the world is suggesting, you know, be quiet, go away, be silent. You know, how do they keep proclaiming the word as proclaiming and pointing to Jesus as Bartimaeus did? You know, I think there's different ways that you can tie, um, even in an anniversary mass, how we as parish, as, as people, um, as individuals, but more importantly, as people of God, continued like Bartimaeus to, to call out to Jesus to be people of prayer, people uh, seeking that personal encounter with Christ, uh, that are in need of His healing and His grace, His mercy, that His presence, and to follow Him along the way. That's beautiful. Good work. You did it. <laughs> uh, can I tell you a funny story about anniversary masses? My uh, my in-laws would be. Uh, they would be upset if I didn't share this story. When my <laughs> wife was uh, probably like 10 or 12 years old, um, their family vacations in northern Michigan every year. And they always go to the same parish, attend the same church up there. It's a wonderful church, wonderful community, always very welcoming. And they get they obviously get an influx in the summer of um, vacationers up there. So it was Sunday morning, and the kids had just immediately gotten up and ran out and were in the lake and playing. And the family realized it was getting time. It was close to time for mass and it's all extended family. So they're rushing the kids out of the lake, like throwing t-shirts on them. They're, they're in swimsuits. Some of them still, some of them are in their like swim shoes, but they're just trying to get them in the car because they want to get to mass and they show up for mass and they walk into the back and they get there right before mass starts and they look around and they thought, well, everybody is way more dressed up than they normally are when we come up here. And all of a sudden, the the bishop up there walks in, and they're celebrating their 75th anniversary. At the, and everybody is just decked out in suits of the night. And these kids are in like wet t-shirts, swim trunks, and swim shorts in the back of the in the back of the church. And they still that's been so many years, and they still tell that story every year when we go up there and just laugh about it. So, so hopefully, no families find themselves in that situation for you this weekend. They're there. That's the key. So. Well, they'll be glad to hear that. <laughs> All right. Now I think I'm ready, Scott. All right, Jeff. Let's move on to some dumb questions. It's time for Jeff's Dumb Questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. Yeah. All right, Archbishop. I always write out so many dumb questions for you because I just... 
find it fascinating to ask you questions and I think it's great. And I think you're always really fun at answering them. So I'm going to ask the first one as, as Archbishop of Indianapolis, right? I'm sure every Bishop, every Archbishop, every Cardinal around the country, there's unique things about their diocese things that like, you may not realize you're signing up for when you end up, well, not like you ever signed up, but (laughs) may not realize you were volunteered for when you joined there. But a very unique thing about the Archdiocese of Indianapolis is every two years we host the National Catholic Youth Conference, NCYC. It's a massive conference this year. I think they're expecting twelve to 14,000 young people and chaperones to come in, and that's a, that's a small year. It's an amazing thing. But you, you have become the Archbishop of the Archdiocese of NCYC, as it's sometimes <laughs> referred to. And so in that time, I know you host other bishops, hundreds of priests that come in town, all that. What, what's that experience like for you? Like, what is there much that falls on your shoulders that week? Like, what, what is that like to be hosting a, a large Catholic event? Like, one of the biggest in the country like that. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's a great honor for, the, for Indianapolis to be able to host this. I think, and I think our, our people do a great job. You know, there's, there's the Federation, uh, National Youth Ministries Federation, that, that, that coordinates all this. And, and, uh, but we work closely with them. And I think our people do a great job. We have with our, you know, our, our people on staff as well as all the great volunteers. You know, it takes a lot of people to make, you know, it takes a lot of people to make this happen. And so I, I think it's a great honor for the archdiocese. For me, I, I really get to enjoy a lot of it. I really do. I, I, uh, I do that. You know, my my responsibility is usually, you know, uh, there's a, uh, you know, I'm I'm usually with the bishops, talking with them, sitting with them. But there's somebody always telling us where to go, what to do, and, um, uh, and my my I'm at my best when I know how to stay out of the way, probably. And <laughs> And do what I'm told. You can even ask Chris of that. She'll she'll guarantee that. She'll she'll let you know I don't always do that. Don't do it very often. But when I do it, I'm not there. But but you know we have the opening mass for the archdiocese. We have the opening mass. So I, I this year I have to fly back early from the from the bishops uh, meeting. So I'm back in time for the opening mass uh, that we do. Uh, and and this year we're doing something different. We normally have done it in St. John's uh, Church and then process over with the Eucharist so that we have Eucharist adoration all weekend. Uh, this year, I, I, our youth the director, of youth Paul, had a great idea about gathering in the Catholic, and in, in we're going to gather in, in, a, in a space in the convention center so that we can get everybody together. We have such a strong, a big contingent, we can't get everyone in St. John's. While it's great to be in a church, uh, we're, we're thinking it's, it's more important for us to all be able to be together to make it our own pilgrimage, our own gathering. And so we're going to. So I'm flying back early in order to have that opening mass uh, to preside and preach, and then. Um, and then after that, I'll help out with confessions here or there. Uh, but then I walk around like everyone else and kind of observe and enjoy the time and greet people and talk with people along the way. And there's space where, the, as you know, the bishops have a space in that big room uh, uh, where, where everything's on display. And we have a place where people can come and meet us and greet and greet them and stuff. So I'll, I'll do that. And then for the closing letters, I'm, I'm the presider this year. There's a different homeless. And then... I, <laughs> The funny thing for me each year that I've done this that I never anticipated is at the end, I do the thanks. I thank everyone at the end. And it's kind of the last thing. And, you know, the young people kind of, they, if you've been, if you notice the last couple of times that we've done this, they, they applaud everything I say. So it takes me forever to get through what <laughs> takes about seven or eight minutes. Like, you know, I don't know what's going on. I think they're just so tired. They're so slap happy tired. And it's the very last thing. And, and as soon as it's over, they're going to get on their buses, planes, wherever they're going to go and make these long trips home. So I think they're just, 
I think they're just giggling at that. I like point. to think that they're also grateful. They're just they've they've just had such an incredible experience, so they're, and they're filled with joy, and they just they also, also don't want to leave. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that's part. I'm sure that's a lot of that. It's been a great experience when they, they always do. It's a great experience, but I still think they're a little tired and slap happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. And so is it? I mean, I know that you're the last person who would ever admit this, but like bishops and archbishops at the conference are like a little bit of like like rock stars. Like when the bishops and archbishops are walking out, you have a group of kids. I would sure in many scenarios, the kids don't know any difference between seeing you or any other priest. But this is a whole contingent of kids who recognize your chain and they know, wait a second, this guy's a little bit more important. And so do you, do you ever get people stopping you and they want to take pictures or... What, what's that like? You know, if you know Bishop Siegel or Bishop uh, Doherty in our in our province, you notice how, how tall they are. <laughs> I'm shorter than most kids, so they don't even see me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I'm, blend right in. I can blend right in because most of them don't even see me coming. So, Well, wonderful. All right. I I have other questions, but I feel like that was a good spot to – well, th oh, the last piece I wanted to ask you about NCYC is you talked about, like, jumping in on confessions is that I would sure that that's kind of the juxtaposition. That's the other side of like, you're walking around and people do recognize you. I know you don't want to admit it, but they do. And they, they know who you are, but then like when, how cool for these kids to be able to just like, they get in line for confessions. There's 50 priests or bishops who are just sitting in these chairs. And then all of a sudden they walk up and they get to, you know, and you get to kind of be a little more anonymous there. And, and is that a, is that a, I would imagine that's just quite the juxtaposition for you as a bishop to go from like up in front of these major celebrations all the time to just getting to hear a confession. Just like you get to just act like you're a regular old priest again. Well, I'm a confessor. Yeah. I'm like any other priest. I'm, I'm a confessor and the person before me is a penitent and then it's a sinner listening, you know, hearing a sinner's it's one sinner hearing another sinner's confession and, and in, in the context of, of celebrating God's mercy. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it doesn't get much better than that. All right, I have one more question. This is my random question I've been asking of priests lately. And I know I know we've talked to you before about your favorite feast days um, because I think Saints Peter and Paul, right? That's a really important feast day for you because that was the day you were made a bishop. Mm -hmm. Now you're at the Saints Peter and Paul. See, I do remember things sometimes from one podcast to the other. But That's why we record everything. Yes. But I've been I've been wondering or asking priests that we've been interviewing, what is like not of the non-major feast days? What is just like that that your favorite little like random feast day that pops up for every year that you kind of like geek out about a little bit? Like your your favorite random saint that is celebrated. Do you have one of those? Random saint. Um, I say random, not you know, not like you know, not the majors, not the. Well, November fourth is my patron, Saint Charles Borromeo. Okay. Um, you know, um, I don't. I, I don't. Know, I guess I. I enjoy, uh, there's not one I don't like. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> this one's real dragger here. So. Yeah, just, yeah. Tell us your least favorite saint. <laughs> Oh gosh! I don't think I can uh, do that one. So, yeah. but you know, but you know, uh, Saint you know, Saint Charles Borromeo would be a big one for me, personal one. Um, you know, I always like the Saint Joseph. You know, March March nineteenth, May the first. Um, 
I don't know that I, there's one I don't like. Uh, <laughs> that's good answer. That's yeah. a good political answer. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Archbishop, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today and being a part of our little uh, podcast here. Will you do it again? I will. And I just want you to know that should either one of you ever become saint, that would be one of my favorites uh, these days. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll, st- I'll get to work. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday